Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Good to see you guys. We uh, just got back from New York, like Pastor Chad said, um, and I've been taking a nap every day, so it's been awesome. Uh, But it was an incredible opportunity to be able to go to the city of New York and to be able to love on them. And let me just tell you this, everything that you've heard about um, the people of New York is not true. Um, man, our eyes have just really been opened. Um, what is true is the intensity of the city. Now, the city is intense, um, but the people are just awesome. I'm telling you. Uh, it was like we brought the Southern hospitality with us to New York, um, and it was incredible. The people there were just wonderful. And this time last week, which is crazy to think about, it feels like a couple days ago, I was preaching in the Bronx, and man, God just did some amazing things. And so what's really cool now is that I get to be with my church family here at LifeGate, and there's nothing better than that. I love getting to be here. I love getting to have an audience of adults, which is really cool. I love my students, guys. I love you guys, but I love being able to speak to adults just so that you get to hear my heart as well. It's important that that you get to hear my passion and my heart for ministry and what God is doing here at LifeGate. And so thanks, Pastor Chad, for letting me have the opportunity this morning. Um, We are in Ephesians chapter 6. If you've been trying to keep up, Pastor Chad and I do know how to count. We'll be at chapter 5 next week. Um, And so we did 4 last week, 6 this week and then five. Um, Pastor Chad and I were talking about it. He wanted me to speak at one of the weeks, and he just felt like he had something really solid for chapter five, and he's like, I can't, I have to do it. I have to, God's got something. Man, after I read chapter five, I was like, you can have it. So I, uh, <clears throat> it's, it just strap in, people. So uh, it's, it's going to be good. And so, but this week, um, I'm sharing from chapter six. So if you've already turned there, um, awesome. If you haven't, you can go ahead and go to chapter six. Um, at the very beginning of chapter 6, starting in just verse 1, um, some of you guys are probably getting excited. Parents, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Um, I'm not speaking on that today, so I'm sorry. Uh, somebody's like, dang it, I thought the youth pastor was going to tell my kids to listen to me. It's not that I don't disagree, it's just not the topic I'm on today. Um, I'm going to skip to verse 10, and we're going to go through verse 20. Um, really, really powerful part of the Bible that I think gets, um, gets memorized a lot, but overlooked often. Uh, we kind of have like this, like the the whole armor of God. We know about it. We, you know, we've memorized it. Um, we know what they are. But I think for us to really sit down and develop it, we just don't do that very often. So I'm going to attempt to do that in 23 minutes and 37 seconds. And so um, I'm going to have to go really fast because I was telling Pastor Chad between services, it's just it, it's so crazy as you go through these six areas. You could spend an entire message just on one. Just on one, I mean, you can, I can sit here and talk for 45 minutes about one, but what I want you to do today, it's not that I want you to deeply understand every single part of it, but I, what I want today is for you just to take kind of a quick evaluation of the whole armor of God that He's given us. And through that, realizing that there are areas where we're going to be weak, and there are areas where we're going to be strong. And so as I'm preaching on this, I'm not preaching it with the intent to convince you that you're weak in all of these areas, but hoping to encourage you that there are areas that you will be really strong, and then there are also areas where your armor is just getting thin. 
you know, it's just getting worn down, it's getting rusty, and, and it's, getting, it's getting torn up just because you've been battling after battle after battle. But God has something greater for you than just some thin armor. And He wants to help you set yourself up so that you can be protected by the things that we're talking about today. And so, uh, starting in verse 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and, and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And in verse 13 it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And so I'm going to come back to verse 13 towards the end of the message, but we're going to jump into this starting in verse 14. It says, Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. Um, And the first point that I have is we kind of break these down. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to show you what the Bible says we should use in armor, and then what we often use as armor instead, because we just feel like it's better. And so right there, the first one is the belt of truth versus opinion. The belt of truth versus opinion. Um, you know, often we go into battle with our own opinions rather than the truth that's already been provided to us, that's given to us, and, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, this is probably the one that, that I struggle with the most because I just have a lot bouncing around in this brain. Um, and for those of you guys that are like me, um, when people ask you what you think, you get nervous for them. You know, you're like, I'm not sure that you want to hear <laughs> everything that I'm thinking. Um, and so the opinion part can be an area where we really have to, to hold on and to, and to be strong in this and understand that they deserve and need to hear the truth way before they ever hear our opinion on anything. And so it says, uh, it says in there that, that it's our belt. It's the belt of truth, and really the belt uh, is is kind of the the thing that holds your whole outfit together. You know what I mean? If you don't have the belt, you don't feel real secure in life. Uh, you know, you have to have that belt, and that belt of truth is so important. It just it's kind of a foundation to everything that God has given us to protect us. That truth is so important that we have, and um, and often we just do that. We go into battle with our opinions, and we try to latch onto that rather than allowing the truth to shine through. Um, and, you know, and we're called to tell the truth in love rather than our opinions and frustration. And man, we do that all the time. We do that all the time. We, we have to be willing to tell the truth out of love that rather than tell our opinion out of frustration. And man, it, uh, I, I wrote in my notes, I didn't do it, but I wrote in my notes, pause for effect. Because even when I was writing this, it was just like a dagger straight to my heart. It was like a dagger straight to my heart, and I realized, man, there, this is something that I struggle with, something that I deal with, that I have got to get a hold of. And, and what I realized also is that often we, we turn the belt of truth into a whip of opinions, and it, that does nothing but damage people. That does nothing but damage people when we choose to take off something that was supposed to keep us secure, something that was supposed to keep us safe, something that was supposed to keep us um, defended and guarded, and we try to turn that into a weapon, and it was never supposed to be a weapon. It was never supposed to be a weapon. It was supposed to be a part of the armor, the suit of armor that God had given us so that we could protect our lives, so that we could protect our relationship with Him. And we live in a society that is so sick of opinions, We do. We live in a society that's so sick of opinions, they don't want to hear it. All they want to hear is the truth. 
They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear opinion anymore. I don't know if you've been on Facebook lately, or have you tried to share your opinion on Facebook lately? Um, you might as well have stolen from the mafia because they're coming after you. If you try to like share, like, "Hey, this is what I think," they are. You are done. You are done. You might as well just delete your account because nobody wants to hear from you anymore. And that's a, that's just a problem. The problem is, is the reason that we're so sick of opinions is because that's all we hear anymore. All we hear are opinions when people just want the truth. They just want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the facts. And for us to throw out our opinion rather than the truth that God has given us, and that is that we are all people He created and that He loves, then what else do we have to say? What else do we have to say rather than to defend ourselves with the truth? The second thing that I want to look at, and it's the latter part of verse 14, um, it says the body armor of God's righteousness. And this is kind of a tough one. And so what I'm looking at here is the body armor of righteousness versus self-justification. The, the, armor, the body armor, or some verses say the breastplate of righteousness versus self-justification. Righteousness comes from the work that Christ has already done. Justification comes from the work that we're trying to do. When, we, when we're seeing our actions and what we've done in the past, and, and we're saying, you know what, I'm just going to explain all of this away. I'm going to justify it. It's not that big a deal. It's not, you know, I, I only drank a little bit, or I only lied a little bit, or, or I, you know, I only went back to that addiction for just like a little while, and then I'm back home. And we try, to, we try to justify all of that rather than depending on the righteousness that God has already given us. The hard part, and what I've often struggled with, is that I want to take the righteousness off because I feel undeserving of it. I want to take that righteousness off because I don't feel worthy enough. I don't feel righteous. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like I'm a Christian enough. But the truth is, is that you are made righteous by your faith in Jesus Christ. Not by your works, not by your intentions, not just by your actions. All of the, the work and actions are just evidence of what Jesus is doing, not by not you trying to justify yourself to make yourself saved. And so it's important that we understand that, that our, our righteousness has to be caught up in what Jesus has already done. He's giving that to you. He's calling you righteous. He's calling you pure in His eyes because of your faith in Him, not because of our actions, not because of our works and trying to justify everything that we've done. Because if you just rely on self-justification of your sins, your sins still remain sins. But if you rely on the righteousness of Jesus, what you've done now is that your sins have been forgiven and your sins turn into a story of how good Jesus is. But we've got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to leave that righteousness on. I'm going, to, I'm going to allow it to protect me. I'm going to allow it to protect me because under your chest is one of the most important things and it's your heart. It's your heart. You've got to be willing to guard your heart. As soon as you remove that, you've exposed to yourself everything the devil wants to do. Everything, everywhere that he wants to damage you and speak into your heart and hurt you and, and just tear you down little by little. But if you put that on, you can guard your heart from the attack of the devil. But we've got to be willing to do it. Because we can't serve the Lord with a damaged, with a damaged heart. You just can't do it. You can't serve God. You can't do what God has called you to do if your heart is not in it. Have you ever tried to do something for someone and your heart wasn't in it? It's selfish at that point. You're selfish. You're, 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 the desire is not there. Your intentions aren't there. You're not happy about doing it. But when your heart has been guarded, it's whole, and, and there's peace there, you're able to do what God has called you to do with everything that you have because your heart hasn't been damaged. So leave that righteousness on. Leave that on. Don't, don't try to take it off because you feel unworthy. He has given it to you. He wouldn't have given it to you if he felt like you were unworthy. He wants you to have that. 
The third thing that we're going to look at here, uh, the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. Starting in verse 15, it says, For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. And I think about my, my dad. I, I bring a lot of stories into my messages about my family just because we have a lot of stories uh, in my family. Um, my dad always wears shoes. Always. Is anybody else's dad like that? He's just always got his shoes on? Um, most people have rules against having shoes in their house. My dad would come home from work. He's a pastor, so he'd take his dress shoes off. He'd sit down in his recliner, and he'd put his tennis shoes on. I just could never wrap my brain around that. I just couldn't. I just like, why? I would ask him, so, Dad, where are you going? He's like, nowhere. I'm just put my shoes on. I'm like, why? Why? Let them breathe, you know? Let your toes out. Let your toes out. I just thought that was so weird. And it was just like an honest question. Because my dad is a hard worker. He's always like out. I mean, he'd come home, put his shoes on, go straight to like, like the, the lawnmower or whatever. So I'd always wonder, and you know, I'd felt guilty if I wasn't helping. So I'd be like, Dad, where, you know, where are you going? He's like, nowhere. Just put my shoes on. I'm like, okay. Whatever, whatever you want to do. And then I think about my sister. My dad's always ready. My dad is always, always ready. He's got those shoes on. He's never going to be that person that was caught on the news wearing something weird because he wasn't ready. You know what I mean? Um, but my sister, on the other hand, man, uh, Lord help her. Uh, she's just like, I don't think I've ever seen her wear shoes. I, she just doesn't. She just doesn't. There was one time I thought that she had sandals on, but it was foot jewelry. That was it. In a public place, in a public place, like at church, we were at church, she had a little like silver chain around that middle-ish toe, and then, and then like chain around her ankles, and I was like, those are some crazy sandals, you can't even like see the bottom of them, it's because they didn't exist, like they weren't there. And I just, I, that is another thing I can't wrap my brain around. I'm kind of like this happy medium. You know, I'm taking my shoes off when I'm in the house because I want to. Uh, you know, but I, I have my shoes on when I'm ready. But what's so crazy is that um, in this, the shoes equal peace. And, and the other part that we battle with this is fear. The peace versus fear. And, and when we walk around with, with fear in our life, we might as well not be wearing shoes at all. Because God is God's trying to get you to move. It says so that you can be fully prepared. You have shoes on so that you can be ready to go at any time that he calls you to be ready to go. But when we live with fear, we're just walking around without any shoes on. We're not ready, and every step hurts. Am I right? Every step hurts. How many of you guys have tender feet? Like, you can't even, like, walk on the sand without, like, it's like it hurts your feet. Uh, I think about my sister. Her feet are so tough. They're so tough. They're like, her feet are just, she has higher pain tolerance than most people I know, but her feet are like boot leather. Like she, that's why she doesn't need the shoes. It's, and it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like she's got shoes on all the time because of how tough she is. I, we lived on a dirt road in Verdigris, Oklahoma, and I, I'd seen her on more than one occasion run wide open down the middle of a rock road with no shoes on. And not her face, she's just smiling. Like, there's no pain. There's no pain there. It's just worn completely off. And then I can remember, um, I can remember another time she really, Caleb's going to laugh, but I, I, she really wanted this treadmill that was at my grandma's house, which was right down the street, or down the dirt road, it, probably like 100 yards or so. She went over barefooted grabbed that treadmill by herself, no vehicle, and dragged it all the way back to the house. I would just be two nubs by the end of it. Like, I wouldn't have any feet. I would just be two nubs walking around. I'd be in, I'd be in complete tears trying to get it back. But what happens is, is that 
we try to allow fear to toughen us up a little bit, and and that's like what it, that's what it's like when we try to walk around without shoes all the time. And when we look at fear, we're like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to let this fear get me get me down. I'm going to battle this fear head on, and I'm going to toughen up, and I'm going to let it harden me, and I'm going to let it make me cold, and I can know that I can face it at any point in time, and it's never going to inflict any kind of pain on me. But really, it's not about being tough to fear. It's about being dependent on Jesus. It's not about saying, you know what, I can handle anything and I'm tough and all of that. I'm telling you right now, you're not tough enough to handle the devil. No matter how tough you think you are. You are not tough enough. You do not have what it takes. But if you will allow your life to function out of peace, you will have what it takes. If you'll just function out of peace rather than fear, you can make it, I promise. If you'll make that one decision, if you'll make that one decision, you can make it. For me, I, when I'm afraid, and some of you might be like this, when I'm really truly afraid, I just kind of lock up a little bit. Like, I don't want to move. I just want to freeze. I just want to stand there until I can either figure it out or it goes away. Like, those are my two choices. It's going to go away or I'm going to figure out how to face it. And, and when God calls us to do something and we're living in fear, oftentimes we just don't move. We just stay right there. But if we'll put on those shoes of peace, we'll be ready to face the day. We'll be ready to do what he's called us to do and not feel hindered by fear all the time. So my prayer for myself and my prayer for you guys is that you would have an irrational peace in your life. Most of us live with irrational fear in our life. My prayer for myself and for you is that you would have an irrational peace. My irrational fear, you guys know, are heights. I I just can't hardly even get over it. I want that kind of peace. I want the opposite of that, but I want that in peace in my life to where I just don't even understand why I feel at peace. I don't even understand why I feel so good about life and what's going on because there's storms all around me, but I know that God's going to take care of me no matter what. I know that He's going to take care of me no matter what, and that's a challenge that I have to face and that you have to face as well. To say that I'm not going to allow fear to take over, but I'm going to live with peace in my life and know that he's going to take care of me. I know that he's going to take care of me. I know that he's going to battle for me and that I can trust him in that. But it's difficult to. It's difficult to. But one thing that I do often, and this is just a practical thing. You can't find this. Like, it's not like scripture or anything like that. It's just a practical thing that I do. When I feel overwhelmed or when I feel totally afraid or I feel like God's not going to show up, I just begin to make a list of all the times God showed up in my life. I begin to write it down, whether that was tangibly something that He physically gave me or provided me with, whether it was spiritually something God gave me, whether it was something health-wise that God gave me. Every time I felt like I couldn't make it or God wasn't going to provide, I begin to just write that down. And I write it down over and over and over again. And what happens is the more I realize that, I feel so confident about my future. I have a peace about my future rather than fear because I can look back at my past and see He took care of me here and He took care of me here and He took care of me here. And I don't have to be restrained by that. I can say, I know that God has my future because I've seen what He's done in my past. I know that God has my future because I've seen what He's done in my past. And for you, just begin to realize that because I promise you, every single person in here, God has provided for you in one way or another or you wouldn't be standing here right now. You're alive, so He's provided life to you. Begin with the most basic thing and then you'll be be appreciative of all the other things that God has done. Begin with those little things and allow peace to take over in your life. The other thing that we want to look at here 
the shoes of peace versus fear. And then number four, starting in verse 16, it says, In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And so what we have here is shield of faith versus doubt. And so if, if you look at this, if you look at the third one, sh- uh, shoes of peace versus fear, and then shield of faith versus doubt, those can really correlate quite a bit together. Because if you have peace, then you usually have a lot of faith. Does that make sense? That's just kind of the way I think about it. But then when I look at this of doubt versus fear, um, faith is when we're just fully relying on God. When you are 100% fully relying on God. And as I look at all of the armor that God has given us, it all belongs on our body. It's just one layer. But then he's so generous enough to give us a shield, to give us another layer of protection. And so it's great that we have peace, but we also have to have faith. We have to have faith. We have to have an, an unmoving belief that He is going to show up in our life, that He's going to provide for us what we need, and we have faith in that. Doubt is different from fear because doubt is when we, when we don't think that God can come through. Fear is when you're afraid of the attack of the devil, and fear is when you're afraid of not being good enough, but doubt is when you mistrust God. And you're like, I don't think He can. He's not big enough to fight for me. He's not strong enough to fight for me. He doesn't understand my problems. He does, and He is. He does understand your problems, and He is big enough to fight for your problems. And so that shield is so important that you pick that up. But when you allow it, that shield to turn from faith into doubt, you know, this is the way I kind of look at it. This sounds kind of weird, but it, I just think of it, it goes from this like solid shield of, of metal and wood, and you've just turned it into wet toilet paper. Right? Yeah, like, can you, is there any purpose of wet toilet paper? I can't think of anything because even at that point, once toilet paper has lost its one value, now it's lost everything. You know? It had one job and now it can't even do that. And so, wet toilet paper is just the worst. It's just the worst. You don't want to touch it or look at it, it just changes everything. And how can you hope to defend yourself with doubt? How can you hope to defend yourself with doubt when that's all it is? It's just thing that can constantly have holes poked in it over and over and over again, and it just makes you weaker. So when we choose to live in faith and trust God for what He's already promised us, then we can live in faith rather than doubt. We can live in that faith rather than doubt. So allowing yourself to move on from, I'm just scared, I'm afraid, I don't trust God, I don't think that He can do it. Begin to recognize everything that He's done in your past, and then begin to trust Him and have faith with your future instead. But it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that because often many of us, we have been hurt, we have been damaged in the past, and it's because we haven't allowed God to have complete control or even when we did, we were damaged or we did feel hurt, and we have to understand that God is trying to teach us something through that. He's trying to teach us something through, through, the, through that hurt, through that pain. He's trying to help us. Next, what we want to look at, um, number 5, starting in verse 17, 17, it says, Put on salvation as your helmet. The helmet may be the most important part of your armor. If the helmet is left off, then you might as well not have anything else on. If you don't have a helmet, then, then everything else just might as well be as exposed as, as it gets. Because if you don't have a helmet on, you've left something incredibly vital wide open. Yeah. Wide open. In verse 13, I told you I was going to go back to it. If you look at verse 13 again, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God. But what we do more often than not is that we make up the whole armor of God. It hasn't, he hasn't asked you to make the armor. He's asked you to take what's already been given to you. And what has already been given to you is salvation. 
But more often than not, we try to work for our relationship with God. We try to work our way into heaven. We try to work for our salvation. So here we are trying to construct our own way to protect ourselves, our own helmet to wear, when he's saying, just take what I've already given you. Take what I've already given you. I've already given you my son. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the grave three days later so that you could have a relationship with him. He died for your sins. All of that has already been taken care of. You have salvation as your helmet, so take it and quit trying to make it your own. Quit trying to make it your own. We've got to be willing to protect our head with the salvation that God has already given us. He's already given it to us, so stop trying to make it your own. Stop trying to make up your own way to to be protected, to be saved, to work your way into heaven, and all of that stuff. Be willing to accept what He has already given you rather than make it yourself. The sixth thing and the last one is the, the sword of the Spirit. Verse 17, it says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Which is the Word of God. And what we want to look at here is the sword of the Spirit versus experience. Versus experience. When it comes to defending ourselves and our faith, it says to use the Word of God. It never says to solely rely on our experiences. But what we like to do so often is that when we're defending ourselves, we give them our why instead of the Bible's why. We give, we give them our reasons rather than the Bible's reasons to defend ourselves. Nowhere in this entire list does it give us anything other than the Word of God to defend ourselves. But we try to use so many other things. We try to wield so many other things to defend ourselves, whether it's our experiences or our opinion or whatever that is. We try to use all of that as a weapon when none of it was designed to be a weapon. The only thing that was designed to defend us was the Word of God. That's it. Just the Word of God. And so rather when someone comes to you and they're asking you all these whys, why do you do this or why, why do you, you know, how come you don't hang out with us or why did, you, why did you split from us or why are you acting this way and why did you become a Christian? Why do you feel so joyful? You know, why, why don't you believe what I believe? And we begin to do this battle. Instead of giving them your reasons from your experiences, give them what the Bible says and what's even greater and what's so awesome about our God is that he gives us these experiences so that we can pair them with the word of God. So that we can say, yeah, look at everything I did in the past. Look at all the times I messed up. And yeah, it was wrong. It wasn't the right thing to do. And these are all my experiences. But by the word of God and his salvation, I was saved. I was saved. So this is my story. So tell them. Tell them your experiences, but back it up with the word of God, not just your opinion. But so often we try to do that. We just want to explain things. We want to share our experiences. And we never give God the credit. We never give God the credit. But if we'd be willing to do that, it builds His kingdom so much more and it completely defends us. I don't know too many people that can argue with that. I just don't. They can try and try and try, but the more you begin to share your experiences paired with what the Word of God says, backed up by the Word of God, you're bulletproof. You're bulletproof at that point. So if you would just be willing to say, yes, this is my story. Yes, this is my life. Yes, I've messed up. But God is good. God is good and He has given me His Word so that I can repair my life and so that I can be better on the other side. You know, as we wrap up here in verse 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. 
So it's already given us everything. It's given us our whole suit of armor, everything to defend ourselves, everything to protect ourselves. And it continues on. It says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. At the end where it says, uh, Pray at all times and on every occasion, what this is trying to communicate with, through prayer, who are you talking to? You're talking to the commander. You're talking to the person that's telling you how to use the armor. You're talking to him. You're talking to him. You're in communication with the commander when you're in prayer at all times. What it says on every occasion, and then it says, stay alert and be persistent. This whole armor that he's given us does no good if we're not aware of the battle that's happening around us. If we're not alert to what's happening around us, then the armor does no good. It doesn't help us in any way if we're not aware of what's happening. And then what I love and what I'll end with, and this is, this is kind of a hard one too. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know, when we hear that this is our armor that God has given us, we think, great, now I can defend myself. But what he's saying here is beyond that. This is for all believers everywhere. So the armor that you've been given is not just for you to defend yourself. It's so that you can stand in the gap between someone else and the devil as well. So that you can stand there in defense of somebody else. It's really easy when the pastor stands up on the stage and says, Jesus loves you. We can receive that really easy. But when we say Jesus loves us, it's harder for us to receive because we're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't understand how can, you know, what, what does that mean that he loves us? because you should have seen what that person did last weekend. I don't think that God really loves all of them, but the truth is, is that He has created them just like He's created you, and He's given them armor just like He's given you, and now you need to stand up and be willing to fight for that person that is struggling. To pray for them, to battle with them, to battle for them, even when they can't. We've got to stop being the army that damages our wounded even though they're already hurt. We've got to be willing to bring them back in and to love on them, to pray with them, and be persistent with it. Every single person that God has created, every person that has become a believer through their faith in Jesus Christ, we are called to stand and to fight for. No matter what this weekend looked for them, no matter what's happening in their relationships, no matter what's happening at work, what's happening with their, their spouse, what's happening with their family, God has called us to stand up for them, not just ourselves. 